Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 9, Episode 1, The Morning After. Mary, what happened this week? Brandon and Kelly are super at peace with all of their decisions, so they bang about it, then argue over whether or not they should have called off the wedding. Kelly thinks they should get back together and go on their honeymoon, while Brandon says they should stop clinging to each other out of fear of moving on. I mean, okay, first of all, Brandon's not wrong. I don't think no, anybody's he's wrong here, right? Like, yeah. I think this is a honestly natural progression for the way that mm-hmm. things happen when you call off a wedding and you try and be cool about it, but you haven't really figured out what you do next. Totally think that makes sense. Especially um, because it's like, I think in this scene, well, the the one with Brandon, it's like Noah mentions like, oh, that's a good enough reason to break up. And he's like, break up. Right. It's like he doesn't realize that, oh, we're not getting married also means we're not going to stay together. It's like there's conflicting ideas in this entire thing, like you said, because nobody knows what to do. It's, it's like, okay, we didn't get married, so now what? Which, you know, when they went to, was it Palm Springs after the I Choose Me thing where Brandon was, like, out drinking with months at the pool and they had the, uh, like, fertilizer bottles they were mm-hmm. putting mar- margaritas in. Anyway, and at that point she was the one that was like, I don't understand why you had to break up just because I turned down your proposal. And he was like, how do you not get that? Yeah. I feel like – this is happening again where she's like, yeah, we called off the wedding, but like, I don't understand why we can't just keep being together. Right. And he's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm having some deja vu here. There's deja vu throughout because not only obviously this episode is technically supposed to be immediately after the finale of season eight, which Mm -hmm. like we said, showed Brandon and Kelly deciding not to get married it's like there's deja vu of like you said the Palm Springs episode it's deja vu of you know we get the what the wedding video that David put together we get the you know tension between Brandon and Kelly that happened throughout last season like there was always this like do we actually love each other are we committed to each other no we're really Mm -hmm. committed but we're also jealous and there's you you know all these other factors so it's Mm -hmm. like I feel like just the Brandon and Kelly of it all for the last, I mean, even two seasons, I guess, there's this uncertainty the entire time that has just permeated and permeated and is still there. And I'm like, okay, that should be reason enough not Mm -hmm. to be together. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, even in this canceling the wedding, it kind of sounds pretty obvious in that scene with Noah and Brandon and Brandon being like, yeah, break up, mm-hmm. right? Like, they still never had a conversation of like, okay, we canceled this wedding. What do we do next? Mm-hmm. Which basically explains why after everybody leaves, they, you know, start rummaging around for canapes and like leftovers. Did you notice it looks like nobody ate their cake? Not a single slice was taken. Yeah, for sure. 
it made me think like oh this is probably just a piece of cardboard like that props <laughs> like just <laughs> but why would you leave it out it was bothering me that they were yeah. just like oh we have this giant cake that feeds a hundred what do we do with it <laughs> well the answer is you take one bite and then you bang on the kitchen table about it exactly because no, technically they went upstairs because we got that weird shot of the door closing Oh, yeah. Just like that's like what happens when your door or your house isn't perfectly level and like (laughs) (laughs) you walk away from it. But like because you stepped a certain way on the carpet or the hardwood, it just like (laughs) someone opened the front door and the pressure changed and it just closed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But oh, my God. Like I forgot to mention downstairs with the guys, Brandon ended up saying this is another deja vu moment. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Brandon mm-hmm. says to Noah and Steve, the closer they got to husband and wife, the closer they got to being brother and sister. I'm yeah. like, that is literally what Brandon said to Kelly the first time Kelly had a crush on him. I wrote that down too. I totally forgot to mention that. Where like, that is literally the first time she professed to him. He was like, I don't see you that way. Yeah. So I'm like, wait a minute. Like, Gross. You know, and also, has this been happening the entire, like, has there been this little seed of doubt within Brandon since they've been together that he's like, oh, no, this is a familial love. Like, let me go bang about it. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, it really, like, I, I didn't look up the writers on this season. I didn't look up if anything happened with showrunners or anything. Um that would actually explain these things. But it feels like this episode did a lot of retconning. Like they were just like, no, Kelly and Brandon were never meant to be together. They've always had this feeling of brother and sisterly love. And like, we're just going to go ahead and implode it. Mm -hmm. Well, basically undo the entire last season where he was by her bedside in the hospital when she got shot all the way up to this. Well, and that's what I was going to say. It's like they've spent the last couple of seasons almost making them be that meant-to-be couple, right? Like, mm-hmm. like we can't – there's like an invisible string, you know, connecting the two of them, and we can't possibly keep them away from each other. But now, to your point, it's like, just kidding. They were never meant to be, so – I mean, we know what they're planning for, right? Like, yeah. We know – Jason leaves at some point. I didn't I thought it would be I didn't think it would be this long until he leaves. Yeah, I kind of got this feeling, I think when I used to read about it that it happened maybe in season 8. And then now as yeah. we're getting into season 9 and he'll leave at some point, I just want to be like honestly, you maybe should have just stuck it out for another year. Like demanded that it be the last season and just let Brandon mm-hmm. be Brandon. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's a 10-year commitment, and they had to do a lot of stuff. I can never be like, Jason Priestley, how stupid were you? I would never <laughs> say that. But, yeah, it's like, okay, if at this point we've only got 50 episodes left, I mean, that's nothing. Yeah, comparatively. Brandon, you got this? I know. Well, and it's interesting, too, because we've been talking about deja vu, and we've been talking about retconning character. Like, there is some Brandonisms that clearly happen in this episode, too, like, Basically, you know, in a couple of scenes, you know, he ends up telling Steve what happened with him and Kelly, but then she's downstairs kind of organizing everything 
um, in terms of like giving presents back. She wants Brandon to call the caterers or somebody to get pick mm-hmm. up the tables and all that kind of stuff. And he's trying to talk to her about what happened last night between them, but she's kind of just like brain. Her brain is in the like do mode and like, I don't want to talk. I'm on a roll here. And mm-hmm. he gets all mad because she's returning things. So it almost seems like he is wanting to stay together again. But this, like he immediately gets mad. And I'm like, well, that's, that's Brandon from season two. You know, like mm-hmm. that's the Brandon Walsh that gets mad when he doesn't get his way. Yeah. When he like starts saying things and he's like, oh yeah, I'll call them as soon as they get to the Beverly beat. And she's like, wait a minute, you're going to the office today? And his response to her being in this present mood and not wanting to talk about what happened last night was to say, yeah, if we're not going to talk, I'm going to go to work. Like it's a normal day. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I don't – it was all to set up certain things, but it makes no sense to me because, you know, Kelly's organizing all of this stuff, but then she gives a bag to Steve to – give him something to do in this episode. Mm. I don't know. Whatever. Mm. But then she also goes to the Beverly Beat herself later to bring Janet her present back, even though Brandon had also said that he was going there, which I think was just so they could get into a fight at the Beverly Beat. Mm-hmm. Well, it's this whole storyline between them, this this episode, is conflict. It's just one person thinking one thing, the other person thinking something else, and then they switch. They switch and switch and switch throughout the entire episode. They process things different ways. That turns into different thoughts. They talk to other people instead of talking to each other. And then when they finally do talk to each other, it actually ends up being pretty good, but then pretty bad. It's like it's just kind of all over the place and wishy-washy and flip-floppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so frustrating. Like, you can see in other people in this episode that they can tell what's going on with these two better than they can with each other. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Kelly wants to keep working on returning wedding stuff. It's really going to distract her. It's going to help her keep moving forward. And Donna has come over. I guess she's picking up the wedding dress. But it turns out that this woman named Phyllis, who we've never met before in our lives (laughs) – (laughs) shows up at the door she left her purse at the wedding yesterday i feel like that just says a lot about phyllis as a person this this wedding was so weird and you still managed to leave a purse i would be like scouring everything and be like i can't come back here we're leaving after 30 minutes (laughs) and it's fine but it turns out that her friend is a buyer at another department store and Kelly's dress was so beautiful that they would obviously want it. And Donna's even just like, I don't know that Kelly would be comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. nobody else says anything about that. Donna is just like, I don't think she wants her dress just out in the world. Yeah. But it's just Donna. It's only Donna that says this. Yeah, right. And it's like there's no confirmation, there's no conversation. And I know we get a conversation later, but even then it's not it's not a real one. It's just it's just no. basically so Donna can check off the box that she did in fact ask. Mm-hmm. Which like I'm not blaming Donna in that situation. Like I think that's fine. Like it's more Kelly, like it's not Donna's responsibility to I guess protect Kelly in that way. Like it's her job to genuinely ask her because she's being courteous and then take Kelly's answer at face value. Yeah. Well, we will get to Donna because Donna is just 
doing a lot of stuff she shouldn't be doing and acting in ways Mm -hmm. that she should not be acting this Mm -hmm. week. Yeah, and so then we get to the Beverly Beat scene that we were just talking about where we – I think this is the first time we see Janet this this season. Um, And only time we see her this episode? (laughs) I think we see her one other time at the pee pad, but yeah. Like, it's so funny, though, because – I was so excited to see her as a series regular in the opening credits. And I'm just like, okay, finally, she's going to get more lines. And then, yeah, she like did technically get more scenes, (laughs) but she didn't have a lot to say. So I hope she gets an actual storyline soon. But anyway, Mm -hmm. Kelly comes by the Beverly beat. Like we've already said is kind of insane because both Steve and Brandon were on their way. Um, But it was to return Janet's present to her specifically And when she gets there, she asks Brandon, did you call the company to come pick up the tables? And he's like, no, I didn't do it. And she's like, you literally said you were going to do it when you got to work. And I guess she's mad. She's mad at what that Brandon didn't do what he said he was going to do. But then, like, she straight up asked him about, she's like, I think we made the wrong decision. What do you think? And he straight up just doesn't answer her. And I'm like, brother. You got to say something. Say, I don't know, at the very least. He literally can't talk to her. They cannot have conversations. Like, if you think you didn't make the wrong decision, then you need to tell her. She deserves Mm -hmm. to know. And the fact that she followed you all with the excuse of Janet's present. Yeah. Which, like, yeah, in this scene, Janet is used how she was used all last season as just the other person in the office, the excuse to have a conversation with three people instead of just Mm -hmm. Brandon and Steve or just Brandon and Kelly. But I absolutely loved, I don't remember, I don't think anything else happens with anybody during the day. So the next time we see this storyline is when Kelly and Donna and Janet go out to the the pee pad. And I love that they've finally given her time with anybody else in this group who is not Steve. I will say right? that. No, I agree. I agree. It's also the most awkward girls' night ever, and if I was Janet, I would run because, like, it's the day after the wedding was off, and they're trying to cheer her up. Some guy comes and hits on her, and – Nobody is just like, hey, buddy, back off. She said she's not interested. Instead, mm-hmm. they have to make a big deal about her lying about having a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But also, this is when Val comes over and just Val's it up. I mean, we'll get to her storyline, but like essentially in a nutshell, she is being tasked with being honest no matter what. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, that means every thought I have in my brain must also be spoken out loud. <laughs> Everyone deserves Honestly. to hear my truth. Exactly. And so she does, which I don't have any problem with whatsoever. That is true to Val. Like, that's why I don't understand. Like, Val's never not been honest. Like, she's right. She's like done shady shit, but she's never not been honest. She always tells the truth. I mean, that's all. Honestly, the fault right is that like Mm -hmm. she'll use the truth to manipulate people she'll be like oh well i heard this which is like exactly what she heard right she's just only giving you the information that she thinks you should have i don't remember exactly what she says here it's something along the lines of like i really didn't think you could get over brandon so i'm glad that you're giving it a chance or something like yeah it's like a weird like 
it's a weird rib at Kelly, but at the same time, it was like kind of nice. Like, I almost wrote down she takes a jab at Kelly, but also takes the high road. Like, it because <laughs> like they rib at her too. You know? It's like she's pinning a heart onto Kelly's chest, but like poking her with a safety pin at the same time. A hundred percent. That's a perfect analogy. Like a hundred percent. And I love the reactions around the table. Like they're not even surprised on it. It's just like, Val, can you please just not today? Mm-hmm. But I think this might be the first time that Janet's really experiencing this up close and personal because she has this face that yeah. is just shock she's like oh my god I cannot believe that someone would just say that and then just walk away yeah right (laughs) and god like it's it's kind of the same thing on Brandon's side where like he's not alone the guys are walking down the beach with him which is my dream I love it I love the idea that they went to the boardwalk together and then just like walked down the beach and talked about their feelings Yeah, like like they just had a boys' day. Yeah. Yeah. Pinch me. I love it. But (laughs) it's the same thing where, like, Brandon is giving all the excuses of why their relationship isn't going to work. And then that night we see Kelly unpacking her honeymoon suitcase back at the beach apartment. So, like, she's having these feelings, oh, I was supposed to be on my honeymoon right now. Mm -hmm. And then at Casa Walsh, Brandon is watching – the David video, but it's like – it's not the David video I wanted. I wanted David I to have turned the green screen background into something. Yes. Well, and it to your point, like it literally is more of like a docu-style where they're just – I guess he was just fil- filming, filming um, goings-on, getting ready for the wedding or whatever, and the point was fine – Basically, they were trying to show like, oh, everybody else thinks that they were meant to be or thinks that their love is real or is going to last. But they easily could have shown that like, I don't think it should have come from Steve. Steve is not a reliable narrator when it comes to things like that. It should have come when we saw the two of them, Brandon and Kelly, talking to each other, answering questions. And they answered like Mm -hmm. a genuine one about, oh, we're going to be together forever or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. We're watching this video that's making Brandon emotional, but it's not even him and Kelly. Exactly. It's other people. Oh my yep. gosh. That's such a good point. And <laughs> maybe that's why Steve sees him doing this. And again, we'll get to things later about him. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm a little upset. I'm even using his name, but he pops up too randomly for me to remember. But <laughs> Overnight, so, you know, Kelly's at the beach apartment. She's got Donna. Brandon eventually stops watching this tape at Casa Walsh, Mm -hmm. and Steve is on the couch overnight and just goes ahead and tapes over it with, like, what is it, elderly golf? Is that what he said? Yeah, it was the seniors championship or whatever. (laughs) And Brandon is furious. Furious. Which is another time, like, Val comes into the room while Brandon is yelling at Steve of like, you really had to do this over this one tape. This is the tape you chose. And Val's like, honestly, it's not that bad. It's just a tape. I don't think you're really mad about the tape. And Brandon explodes on her. Dude. 
I was typing while watching this, and so I wasn't exactly looking at the episode as it was playing, but while I was typing something else, just starting the scene, I heard, can you go be a bitch somewhere else? And I was like, whoa! Like, <laughs> Which is why she's like, okay. Like, that genuinely almost felt real. You know what I mean? Like, that maybe that wasn't exactly the line, but Tiffany heard it and was like, okay. And then, like, kind of, like, improv that little okay and walked away. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was so good. Like, I just love it. I love it so much that this is what she's doing in other people's storylines. Like, I love that she just walks up to Kelly and says this. I love that she just walks up to Brandon and says this. And everyone is just like, ma'am, this is not for you. And she's just like, I don't understand. I have valuable input because she's not wrong. She never is. And that's the thing is like I don't understand why anybody is surprised by this behavior. This is literally – this is not anything different. (laughs) This is Val to a T. To a T. But okay. So now we're on two days after the wedding Mm -hmm. and – Today, Kelly has to go to the mall to do a bunch of returns. I'm not entirely sure how this is all working where they return the gifts and then give the store credit to the people who bought the gifts. Is that what's happening? Mm-hmm. Or are they keeping the store credit? Because at that point, like, should keep the gifts. I don't, I don't know. That confused me. Yeah, I don't know. But they're at the mall returning things and – they realize they're going past the store where Mm. that buyer was because long story short and Donna's story, once again, someone has randomly seen her design, fallen madly in love with it and given her a 24-hour notice (laughs) to get rich off of it. I've stopped like really commenting on Donna's whole fashion business because I'm like, it's luck-based. This is all just like we're going to do what we think is – necessary in the moment so we're not gonna like base this in any sort of reality (laughs) yeah no because this is the whole thing is the dress is already cleaned Mm -hmm. pressed Mm -hmm. and up in the window prominently displayed even though Mm -hmm. kelly just wore it two days ago and i just also really get the feeling they were not careful with it at the end of the day like oh yeah yeah i'm not getting married again i don't have to use this dress but anyway Kelly goes to see it, and this is when she finally reveals to Donna that she wants everything back. She feels like they made a huge mistake. She wants Brandon back. She wants the dress back. She wants the wedding day back. And, like, again, this is another flippy floppy moment, but I'm not necessarily critical of that because I do think there are just tons of emotions and tons of thoughts going through your head, through your mind, your heart, your body, whatever. And clearly Mm -hmm. seeing this dress on the shelf was triggering for Kelly. And so I'm not mad at this flip-flopping. It was just kind of like the fact – I think the fact that it was paired with every scene being really short and kind of going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, I would have Mm -hmm. almost rather there have been longer scenes closer together. Well, and like that might have actually done something. Like we might have seen – Donna have a conversation with Kelly about her dress versus Mm -hmm. like having the one scene where Kelly's like, no, no, I don't mind. And then the next scene where Donna tells somebody else that, oh, well, I don't know about my friend and her dress. And then the next scene where Kelly's like, finally just says, 
this was a mistake. I want my dress back. And now Donna has to undo everything she just rushed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. But it fills her with all of these emotions. The next time we see the two of them, Brandon has shown up at the beach apartment kind of out of nowhere um, because he wants to know why Kelly didn't want to get married. And they basically agree that neither of them have moved on yet because mm-hmm. it's been two days. It's maybe not even been 48 hours. But presumably now Brandon spends the night with Kelly at the beach yep. apartment. Yeah. Because the next morning, they're snuggling together outside. Kelly is just really relaxed in this moment. And she tells Brandon, like, let's just take the honeymoon trip. Why not? We have the tickets. Let's just use it. And you can see it in his face again. He's like, God damn it. We didn't (laughs) talk. I wasn't clear. Well, and it's – yeah. And two, it's like it's not a bad idea. It's just – to your point, they need to talk about expectations, about what they are to each other, what they're going to be to each other. I mean, this is straight up like out of a romance novel or like a fan fiction or something. It's like the classic trope of almost like a friends to lovers to back to friends. But I I don't know. But it's weird because it's like because I haven't talked it's still not a bad idea to go on the honeymoon, but because they haven't talked, they haven't laid out what this means. And if they do that, sure, go on the honeymoon. I don't see any problem with that. But you have to like actually have the conversation and define otherwise is going to be a complete disaster. I mean, literally how this is. Like, mm-hmm. I we get a couple of more sightings of Brandon throughout the day, but it's really just him catching other people up on what's happening. Like I don't really think it has anything to do with the story itself. So that next night, so this is the third night after the wedding. So yeah, we'll say wedding night, Brandon Kelly slept together. Second night they didn't. Third night they did. Brandon shows back up at the beach apartment on this fourth night and finally tells Kelly he's like I cannot continue this relationship with you and I don't know what I want to do and you deserve a better answer than that like he tries really hard I think to well yeah I mean yeah you tell me I think he did as best as he could considering he had already dug himself this deep of a hole I think he does okay but I do agree that like Kelly deserves a better answer than I don't know you know because I think that's the whole point is that they haven't been clear with each other or at least Kelly has been more clear that she wants this or she at least wants to try something or Mm -hmm. still wants to be involved in some way. And Brandon's been one that like, even though he was the one that wanted to talk at the very beginning of the episode, he hasn't been like that since, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the fact that he's like, she's being vulnerable and being honest about what she wants. And he's just like, I don't know the fact that she reacted with, I deserve a better answer than that. I agree, you know, and then he finally does. It just almost felt like a defensive reaction rather than Mm -hmm. a vulnerable reaction. Like he he says he wants to move on and she slams the door, but it almost seemed like he did that because Kelly said she deserved a better answer, not because he genuinely felt like that. So it was hard for me to really understand what Brandon actually wanted. 
Because it's almost like he was talking the entire episode trying to convince himself that he didn't want to be with her, that they weren't good together, that there was a reason they didn't get married and that they shouldn't get married in the future. So I don't know. It was like I think he did a good job until he felt defensive. And I I think this is kind of a pattern with Brandon where Mm – he found himself in this relationship with Kelly and just kind of got comfortable with it and just never really addressed how to handle it. Like, I think that's something that's repeatedly we've seen. Like she never trusted him. She's been flying around trying to catch him cheating on her multiple times. Mm -hmm. And like, they've tried to break up. They've tried to get back together. Like they're too enmeshed in each other's lives and he has no way out and he doesn't know how to get out. And I think yeah, he's, He's trying, but he's definitely also, I think, trying to sour this on purpose so he doesn't have to do anything. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So, yeah, I mean, that's Kelly and Brandon. They finally agreed to break up. They both agreed to break up. I think that's – well, they kind of both agreed. Brandon agreed, and I think now Kelly is mad enough to go with it. But – yeah, presumably they're not getting back together. I'm not mad. <laughs> like, honestly, I mean, no. if they had talked and gotten to a better place before this, I may have been on board with them getting back together and kind of figuring things out. But like, literally, since the quote unquote proposal, and the reason I put that in quotes is because it was stupid in the first place. <laughs> Since then, I've not been on the they should stay together. I've been on team breakup, you know, like because there's been no reason, no good reason that they should be together. So I'm not mad about it. I'm not. I think they both deserve better and it's not necessarily a dig at each other. I just think they're not meant for each other. Like they're they were good for a while and then the cheating thing happened and it just kind of blew everything up. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. They're brother and sister. Let's just leave it at (laughs) I mean, but hey, as David said, you know, brothers and sisters can apparently call their sibling um, sexy. So, (laughs) I mean, at least, at least that is canon to his high school self. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But I'm like, that is a Steve line if I've ever heard it. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh my God. And just at a moment where all I could think of was. David turning to Brandon going, so you're saying she's available. Oh, (laughs) Oh my God. God. I'm sorry. That was uncalled for. Um, (laughs) What else happened this week, Mary? Let's let's move on. Liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights, like coming to visit me in Amsterdam. And really everything you just mentioned benefits me. I genuinely feel better after using Liquid IV. I'm refreshed, I'm hydrated, and I feel like I can conquer the day just like Brandon Walsh. Or Volleyball Steve. I especially love the new flavor, Seaberry, especially during the summer, so I can pretend like I'm on a tropical island. Or I'll go with an iconic classic, like the Beverly Beach Club, with a lemon-lime flavor while I'm waiting for the grunions to run. 
Also, it's pretty neat that Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code 90210. That's 90210. At checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code 90210 at liquidiv.com. Noah's mom invites him and Donna for dinner for his dad's birthday. Noah doesn't want to go and says that they can't make it, but Donna buys a gift and calls Noah's mom to say they'll be there. After an uncomfy meal during which the hunter men snipe at each other, Leland Palmer from Twin Peaks, I mean Noah's dad, comes by the pee pad to say he's bad at taxes and the family's broke now. Honestly, it's one of my favorite stories when someone has to just come tell a rich person they're broke now. I mean, it is so, we should have predicted this, you know, like we should have predicted and maybe we did. And I just don't remember because we've been doing this podcast for so long, but like (laughs) we should have predicted that rich boy Noah is either going to go back to rich family and become the rich boy that he always was, or that rich boy Noah, who basically excommunicated himself out of the family, would then be approached by all of his family members for help because they're broke. Well, yeah, I just, I'm not even a little bit surprised that we, yeah. I like, I think we had originally guessed that he was going to have his money stolen from him because he's an idiot. Right, right, right. <laughs> but like, as soon as his dad tells him at the pee pad that they're broke and Noah goes, but my trust fund is all in stock in the company. And his dad's like, yeah, the company that's broke. Like, it's so funny when he's like, so it's all worthless. <laughs> it's so good. You could just see it. It's like very slowly cogs are turning and he's like, I can't help anyone with all my money anymore. How do I buy and hide all of my girlfriend's dresses? I can't just buy a club out from under my friend. Exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, my. But we also have to talk about how Donna cannot keep doing this. Well, yes. Because the whole point (laughs) is, like – the whole point is that Noah's mom apparently calls him, who we've not seen before, and I am actually in, in, insanely impressed that we actually got visual of her instead of it just being a call. Yeah. And so she wants Noah to go to dinner with his dad for his birthday, for his dad's birthday, and he does not want to because he doesn't have a relationship with his father. He doesn't like his father. Like, the whole family, like, I'm especially after the Josh stuff, like, I imagine Noah's just like, get me the hell away from this whole group. But Donna, usually an angel on earth if ever we've seen one, just insists, no, they're family. So that means you have to, like, literally she has reversed all of the learnings that she's had with Felice over the last, like, four seasons. Well, but see, this was the problem is every time she did something with Felice and said, like, it's family's responsibility to take care Mm -hmm. of dad after he had his stroke, she ended up Mm -hmm. being right. So she gets to do uh, this yeah. again and it's just true. like insert herself in a relationship she knows nothing about because right. she thinks that everyone should be like a happy married two and a half kids in a brilliant mansion family. Mm-hmm. Like 
the fact that she immediately starts and goes to buy the cufflinks, gets them wrapped, and he's still like, no, I don't want to do this. She keeps calling me. And presumably, yeah, Donna knows all about this family. She knows that his brother sucks. She knows that he doesn't have a relationship with his parents. But instead, immediately after he tells his mom no, she star 69s his mom and then RSVPs for them. And mom is just like, oh, that's so great. I'm so glad. Yeah. Like, ask no questions. Like, I just literally wrote, like, don't meddle. Like, this is not your responsibility. If Noah says he doesn't want to do this, it is your job to side with him. Like, as a partner, as as a girlfriend, as a love interest, whatever. Unless this was a colossal error on Noah's part and there was, like, literally a moral thing here or a legal thing here, you side with him. Like, mm-hmm. it's just what you do. Yeah, I I don't understand because then the next day Noah finds out that Donna RSVP'd for him. I don't know how he just had to find this out. Like, <laughs> yeah, his mom calls him more times this episode than we've ever even heard he has a living mother. Exactly. But, she accuses him of being embarrassed of her. She's like, oh, is that why you didn't want to go to dinner? Because you didn't want to introduce your parents to me? I'm like, Donna, point is right here, and you're completely missing it. You're completely missing it. You know he has no relationship with his parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, but no, it's he's embarrassed of you. My God, Donna, like, who wrote her this episode? <laughs> I, I don't understand it. And then, like... He explains to her, he's like, no, my house was really strict. Like, apparently you could go without eating if you didn't do something that his father liked, which is like literally child abuse. So the fact that Donna is just like, oh, but you're just saying that. So you won't, I won't think that you're embarrassed of me. Yeah. Like this is my girl. You're you're just, this is an opportunity, Noah. You can set this right. What do you mean you can set this right? Like, uh -uh. why would he have to do that? I'm so sorry, father, that I didn't. I was two minutes late to dinner and you had to not feed me. Yeah. Like, I don't – yeah, I do not understand. And, like, it's kind of crazy, too, because I thought Noah should have been more mad. He weirdly handles his emotions really well, even at the dinner Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. his dad because, yeah, like Mary said, this man has been in everything. Mm -hmm. Like Twin Peaks, Gilmore Girls. He's, I think – not our first direct connection to Gilmore Girls. Yeah. And he was warm. um he was Robin's dad in How I Met Your Mother. Oh too. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But he's he's so strict mm-hmm. in this. He's he's horrible. He's talking about how like business built America and we hate the common man and poor people suck. Like, I don't know, just a whole bunch of talking points that make for a very toxic dinner. And Donna's like, oh, my God, did anybody say the word cufflinks? Look at these. <laughs> and he but, just, like, opens them and then immediately shuts them. He's like, nope. Yeah, because they're too busy talking about how uh, Noah used to pour his liquor for him. And Noah goes, yeah, and I would use three fingers if he wanted to hit me. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, Donna, are you listening right now or do you not understand metaphor? Like, <laughs> no. She's like, hey, did you see those cufflinks? They go with your son's eyes. So I thought they'd go with yours. <laughs> yeah. No, it's an absolute nightmare. It's a complete disaster. And does I mean, anything like, come of this? I, not really. The only thing is, you know, they presumably oh. make it through the dinner mm-hmm. and then. 
Donna's at the pee pad telling them, telling Noah about how she signed a deal at the bridal department at the store. She's going to be mm-hmm. making dresses based off of Kelly's dress that Kelly no longer wants at the store. I don't know how she's getting a job when she has to call back and be like, you actually can't have that thing. It's not mine to give. Like, right. bad business relationship. But mm-hmm. Noah's dad shows up and this is when he's like, you should know. We're broke. We have no money. You have nothing. And, honestly, and that's all that comes up with it. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I mean, we'll see more of that fallout later, but like he owns a boat and he owns a club. He has assets. He has a job. He's invested in Donna's clothing line. He might have somehow accidentally made this okay for himself. Yeah, exactly. He's like not necessarily independently wealthy, but he's at least made moves that don't tie him back to his dad's money. The only thing that's really tied back is his trust fund. Yeah, which presumably is gone. So all of his money is in his boat and the mm-hmm. pee pad. But mm-hmm. like he literally owns a building. Sell the damn boat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I should care more that he lost his money, but I just don't. The fact that David has lost his money 17 times and is <laughs> living in a house. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, Exactly. Oh, my gosh. But actually, amazing segue. Speaking of David, should we talk about what else happened this week? Val tests negative for HIV, but doesn't believe she deserves whatever second chance at life David keeps going on about. She practices using honesty as not a weapon. Unfortunately, the only truths she knows are bombs. David tries to convince Kyle Scott that he's too good for armpit and condom and acne songs and wants to work on movie music. Kyle Scott tells him that David sucks, but now, or sorry, no, that's not what he said at all. (laughs) Kyle tells David that he sucks. Oh, wait, that was me. (laughs) Uh, The truth accidentally slips out. I relate to Valerie. Okay. Kyle Scott tells him that sucks, but now he gets to work on no music at all. Steve brings home Ashley Marin from Pretty Little Liars. I mean, Sophie, a scammer with a foolproof three-step plan to make it in show business. And Janet is in the opening credits, but that's about all they gave her this week. (laughs) Sophie's three-step plan was amazing. I didn't even read the three steps because I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't write them down, but it was literally like, find a place to stay in Hollywood. Find, or find a place to stay in Beverly Hills. Find a job. Become famous. Yeah. Okay. Like perfect. Perfect. Here, here's the actual three steps. Oh, yes. Okay. How to make it in show business. One, find place in Beverly Hills. Two, get money from college? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> Three, get start in the business. Squiggly underlined. Like get what? money from college? Question mark. And that one's up in the air. So how can that be a legitimate step? <laughs> <laughs> it's literally that meme that is like step one, do the thing. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. That's literally it. That is literally what she's doing. God. She's like, get to Hollywood. Figure Rich it out. And famous. Yeah. <laughs> get to Hollywood, do nothing, be famous. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. But she's like the smallest piece of this. We 
really have to start at the beginning with everything because Val does have – she got her negative HIV test, but like, you know, like Mary said, she refuses to accept that she deserves the second chance at life. And she even points out, she's like, this could still be taken away from me. I have to get another test in six months. Mm -hmm. And Tafet's like, okay, that's actually still really good news, right? You know, you already failed the – passed the test. Like, if you hadn't passed that, you wouldn't be getting the one in six months. Well, right. And she's just got like really big imposter syndrome, you know, because she's like, yeah, that's what my test said. But it really scared me because I'm afraid that that was like my only second chance or like, you know, why am I even getting this second chance? I'm awful. And when David's like, you took a blood test, not a character test. She's like, yeah, but think about my character. And honestly, like I felt the imposter syndrome for sure. I just I don't think, I mean, in story of this show, but David was just not sensitive enough to what Val was going through. David kind of seemed really annoyed with her the entire episode. Mm-hmm. And it's always like, that has nothing to do with her. That always has to do with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you know, she talks about her character. This is how she decides that she's going to be more honest. I think the actual conversation happens a little bit later, mm-hmm. but... Like, yeah, it's when they go to the peach pit because she's talking about all these morals and philosophy and David is just like, I wrote this in my notes here. I was like, he just looks annoyed with her when like she just got this negative HIV test. Like you kind of just got to deal with her emotions. That's just kind of where it is. But he tells her to be honest. So she immediately turns to Nat, his only appearance in this episode, to say, Nat, your menu needs to be updated. And that's it. Like, literally, he's like, do you want a club sandwich? And she's like, no. And he's like, what about a mega burger? And she's like, I don't even like those. And then, yeah. And that's when David accuses her of being brutally honest, not just honest. And she's just like, these are the same? (laughs) Well, and I love that, you know, this is where you find out he has the jingle meeting. We know he hates jingles. And she's Mm -hmm. like, you're too good for them you should tell them that you're too good for them. And yeah. it's like, no, Val. <laughs> we stop it. We all acknowledge you're too good for them. Now let's do something about it that doesn't involve walking up to your employer and saying, I'm too good for you. Give me a better job. Well, and that's the thing is like she – because David takes things literally most of the time, she didn't say like, but be prepared to leave. You know, it's like that whole thing of like when you're trying to negotiate some sort of salary increase or some sort of promotion and you don't get it, you have to prepare to then be like, all right, in that case, I have to go. Like I quit or I have a new opportunity that will value me or like blah, blah, blah. She doesn't tell David that. So David's like, there will be no consequences to my actions. (laughs) Which to be fair, usually those consequences get cleaned up by Noah. True. But... Yeah, these are things that he should also realize. I mean, he said it, I think, when he broke up with her is that she always lives on the edge and he doesn't like to do that. Like, she is prepared to say this brutal honesty and be called a bitch and sent away. He Mm -hmm. is not. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. Yeah, so while all of this is happening, this is at the same time as the gift returns. So Mm -hmm. Kelly has sent Steve with returns to a, like, Bath and Body Works, William Sonoma kind of a place. And I think it's hilarious that Steve shows up with this bag of gifts and is like, yeah, and I need them all returned separately so that they match the original receipts. 
And this woman behind the counter is just like, sure, I'll do that. Like, she's just so nice about it. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Right? This is what we're doing? And then she takes two seconds to do it. I don't know how. Well, and he just gets store credit. And I'm like, no, just get the money. That's what I mean. Like, now what? You have a bunch of slips with store credit, so you have to keep them separated so you can mail them to, like, Uncle Jim. Maybe Uncle Jim doesn't need anything from Bath and Body Works. Exactly. Bath Bath and Beyond. But, no, this is when he meets Sophie. We don't get her name at this point, but she's a low-level con artist. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, a really bad one, too. I don't know how this ever works, but... Well, yeah, because she, like, asks the same clerk that is assisting Steve for to break a 50, but then as she's handing it to her, she shows the 50 and then does, like, tries to do the sleight of hand thing where she swaps it out with a $10 bill, and that somehow works. And I'm like, okay, but usually, usually... Now, I don't know when they started doing this, so I'll say that. Usually, when you give somebody a, a high dollar bill, in some cases it's even just twenties, they have to make sure it's a legitimate fifty dollar bill. Now, mm-hmm. this could be around the time where they started doing it because stuff like this happened. But I would also think too, when you like type in the cash register like fifty bucks and then like pull it out and then get the change, you're look you're looking at the bill the whole time. So I don't mm-hmm. understand how this works. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like watching this gave me the weirdest flashback to working at Build-A-Bear Workshop in high school around the holidays and them telling us about certain scams that people pull Mm. and it usually works best during the holidays. Here's scam tips, by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Scam tips in 2005. I think we're okay. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, like apparently they would do it during like really busy seasons where there's a lot going on and there's just a lot of people who need stuff and they would like ask for change, show you like the bill or whatever, and hopefully get you to just take it, put it in the thing and grab the change quickly because you're right. trying to help like 20 other people. That makes sense. Um, but I don't think the way that they illustrated it is like how that actually works. No. Yeah. Well, and to your point, like it was two people that was being that were being helped it wasn't like it was a mad dash or a holiday rush or something like that mm-hmm. yeah like it would have made more sense if she was trying to buy this thing and then steve came in with like a big pile of gifts mm-hmm. and needed all these individual receipts and just showed the sales clerk getting really flustered by it rather right. than it just taking two seconds and her being like here you go here's everything you need oops i don't know the difference between a 50 and a 10 yeah yeah exactly yeah but I guess, like, Sophie's whole scam of get to Hollywood, get in the business profit was $30 at a time because she goes to buy this $10 frame. She gets $30, $28 back in change, whatever. And then she runs out, jumps into Steve's car, and this idiot just drives away with her <laughs> and then takes her to Casa Walsh and lets her have his bed. I just, first of all, Okay, I have two things actually. So, first of all, once you get once you said the math on that, I'm like Sophie operates in a world of girl math. Like she <laughs> she might have been the founder of girl math. She's like, I spent ten dollars, but really I saved twenty eight. Like or like whatever, you know. Like I 
whatever. She came up with girl math and she's going to con everybody to make sure that the girl math is an actuality. <laughs> Second piece, Steve. I, he is so ensorcelled all the freaking time. And I'm so sick and tired of this storyline. Like, I, I want him to get conned. I want him to get conned. I want him to, like, get all these bad things happening to him. But we know it won't happen. He'll fail upward just like always. The way that I would explode with happiness if the woman who played Ashley Marin on Pretty Little Liars was the <laughs> one to just fucking con the shit out of Steve and get away with it. Yes. I mean, I'm she's set you. up to at this point if yeah. David doesn't get too involved. <clears throat> yeah, oh, yeah. That's the thing. It's like sometimes when Steve fails upward, it's not even of his own accord. It's because somebody else distracts or gets in the way of the actual like harming of of Steve or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, cuz like now that he's met this woman, he knows nothing about her because all she's done is lie since he met her. Mm-hmm. Um he leaves her at Casa Walsh also alone. He leaves mm-hmm. the stranger alone in their house. They've been robbed recently enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but while the guys are all at guys night on the beach, Noah asked Steve, he's like, oh I, th- oh, I thought Sarah was the one. And Steve's like, oh, she was yesterday. Yeah. Now it's Sophie. And like, yep. that's not funny. No. That's so weird. But he says this with David there. So this will come up again later. We'll come back to all of this because David has gone. We do see him go talk to, what was his name? Kyle. Jake. Kyle. <laughs> We go talk to this this Kyle and David does the thing. He's like, I'm too good for jingles. I hear you have a movie. Okay, fine. I'll do your jingle, but you have to let me do one song in your movie. And Kyle this whole time is just like, no. <laughs> well, and I will say like David does make a good point. He's like, how do I get experience doing movie scores if you don't give me the job? Like, because, you know, Kyle's like, you don't have any experience doing scores. So like, you can't do this. And so he does make a good point. He's like, yeah. Like, I, I can't get experience if I don't get experience. And, but then he, of course, just David's up the whole thing and is like, well, fine. I'm going to, you know what works usually? Threatening. And <laughs> I'm going to do it really poorly and not understand that there will be consequences. I mean, truly, I love that this guy is just like, no, you, you think you're too good for uh, jingles. You shouldn't do them anymore. As in, I will not be working with you on them anymore. And Mm -hmm. yeah, David is literally just like, I cannot believe that you called me on that. I'm so good. Right, exactly. But that all ties together because (laughs) we do know he is also, I guess, working behind the bar at the pee pad. I mean, he doesn't Mm -hmm. have a job now, so bartender it is at his friend's bar. I feel like this is just how it happens. I think this is why they own the pee pad is so that they can all like cycle in and out when they feel like it. Exactly. But like he's pissed off because he took Val's advice and the fact that he blames her for this at all really upsets me. Mm -hmm. But that night Steve has brought Sophie to the bar and she says she'll go get beers, her treat, tries to pull the trick again and David doesn't fall for it. Mm-hmm. And then when Steve introduces her to David, he says David's full name. He's like, this is my friend David Silver. She goes, oh, my God, you're the guy with that song. And for some reason, despite the fact that he's working behind the bar and she just tried to scam him and he caught her, 
she thinks this is the right idea. And David finds no problem with this. Like, he's just like, you either think I'm an idiot or I forget what else he said, because all I got caught on is, yeah, she thinks you're an idiot. And <laughs> and first of all, the whole song thing is the gift that keeps giving, right? Like, I know <laughs> that song was on the radio for approximately two weeks and David doesn't have a a. a David is not in show business anymore. David does not have a music career. He doesn't have anything connected to the business now because he got fired. And yet this woman is like, ah, that is my show business step three or something, you know? (laughs) Turn the question marks into David Silver. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, the thing with that too is just that, yeah, like you said, like she thinks it's a good idea, but also he is still entertaining the idea of like engaging with her. Because, again, he is ensorcelled. Mm-hmm. And that's really all we have to say about him. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's also, you know, Val tries again to talk to – she actually does try to talk to Steve about Sophie. She's like, yeah. no, this girl is going to wreck you. You can't do this. She's going to hurt you. And then David's just like, Val, stop giving everyone advice. You pissed everybody off. I just, there's nothing to say about it. It's like, you literally told her to be honest. Like what, you're literally trying to get your way out of consequences for all of your actions this entire episode. What did you expect when you told Val to be honest? Val is honest. Val, her actions aren't always honest, but her words always are. So what did you expect? This is not different. Well, and I don't think she's doing anything wrong in a lot of these. And rather than help her be a better person. I don't understand why David acts surprised and then mad at her. And then expects her to like reveal some deep, dark secret. Like he keeps like, she keeps alluding to a secret that she has this whole episode. And that's really why she can't be a good person or that she doesn't deserve to have a second chance. And instead, like you said, instead of helping her kind of navigate this whole process, he's just basically like bullying her into telling the honest truth, but then getting mad at her when she actually does it. And then after not at all making her feel comfortable being vulnerable with him, she he just insists that she tell him her deep, dark secret. Yeah. But then, like, I, the whole reason they had this scene was, again, for this deep, dark secret. Because mm-hmm. he's going to tear her down. She's going to feel that imposter syndrome that you were talking about and say that she des- doesn't deserve to be HIV negative, but she won't say why. Yeah. But – for all of their giving her grief about not being a good person, the next morning we see Sophie back at Casa Walsh again. She's in Steve's room using the phone to call the Bellage and order room service. And it's a full mm-hmm. scam. Val overhears it. She knows exactly what she's what Sophie is doing. And then she tells Sophie basically like, do not hurt Steve. If you do, I will make you pay. And threaten her about David because she's like what about David and she's like he's taken even though he's not but that is her territory so <laughs> she threatens him she's like are we clear and she's like yeah well, okay. and like <laughs> I, I dare you to try and take David as a new scam artist on this show like I dare mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Val will murder you in your sleep and <laughs> ship you off to Hawaii I don't know interesting choice of words you use there <laughs> But, but we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, 
honestly, that would be a perfect threat to just build on it. That's not what she's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, Sophie goes to the Bellage, steals all the food to put into a giant picnic basket. It's very funny to me that she literally goes in in a picnic basket and then just takes the plates, like, cloche and all. If she had a playbook in that journal that she was writing her three-step plan, this should be a play in that playbook called The Yogi Bear. <laughs> oh my god, I love it so much. The big picnic basket. <laughs> I mean, literally, she she takes it over to David's and has it laid it out in his little area. I guess you could call it a yard, but it's the one he shares with the other house with the guy that we've never seen since and is presumably sitting there while David's having a picnic with this random woman in the middle of the day drinking champagne. I guess mm -hmm. he doesn't have a job. Yeah. But she tries to toast. She's flirting with him. She's saying that Steve and her are just friends. It's totally fine. And I love – I don't love, but I think it's really funny that David's just like, okay, as long as Steve's okay and toasts her and goes through this whole thing and then pretty immediately goes to the Beverly Beat to ask Steve if it's okay. But doesn't. Like he he's trying to seem like a good guy with Sophie here, but then goes to the Beverly Beat and, like, isn't direct about it. He just kind of alludes. Like, he doesn't even directly ask. He He's just like, hey, Steve, are you really into her? And he's like, oh, yeah, she's mine. La, la, la. And he's like, okay. But doesn't tell him at all about the picnic or that she's interested in him. Yeah. And, like, this is the guy that is trying to be Valerie's moral compass and be like, you're exactly. a bad person when he's exactly. doing this. Yep. Yep. And – he is the last thing we see. We go back to his house that night. He is a slob and he has not cleaned up the caviar or the champagne or anything. It's just moved inside. And Val lets herself in and she notices it. She sees all of it. She knows that Sophie is the one that ordered it from the Bellage and tries to talk to David about it. But he's like, no, I'm not going to help you until you tell me the truth. And she's like, I don't want to tell you the truth. You're going to get angry at me. And then they bicker back and forth about it. And she finally says she killed her father. Yep. She said it wasn't a suicide. Apparently it was a murder. And I'm like, no, I don't. Mm -mm. I don't well, want it. And the thing is, like, that changes so much of this conversation because she used to have nightmares of not being able to get in while he killed himself. She has yeah. been telling all of these people these stories and – like, that changes how her mom reacted to the death. That changes literally how the death would have happened. Literally everything. Literally. I don't like this change to the story. I don't think I this know. should have been the thing. And I think it's pretty bonkers, frankly, that Val came in with the baggage of being molested by her father, who then killed himself when she threatened to call the police, and her mother that didn't believe her. And then in the last, like... 15 episodes since then she has also been sexually assaulted again made to face another sexual abuser had the hiv scare and now this too like this is too much this is a lot yeah. i i'm so tired well it's just like there's a line between a drama and a soap opera and we've long since entered the soap opera era like there's no way that this can be just regular old drama you know on television now it's like no no this is 
The difference between this and like Days of Our Lives is that this is an hour-long show that is only done once a week. That's the difference. Yeah. It's just – it feels like Valerie is living in a, a Days of Our Lives episode and then like as we get further down, it's getting less and less – soap opera-y to get to Steve and Steve is the only one who's actually still on a mm-hmm. regular 60-minute show. Mm-hmm. No, it's a lot. And again, I don't understand why she's getting all of this and like we did get Noah's broke, but like Brandon's not facing any consequences. Steve is not facing any consequences. Nothing is happening to all these guys. Yeah. So I, I mean, don't know. I really... I think to your point, though, like, hasn't that really always been the case? The women on the show are expected to do the heavy lifting, have the hard storylines. I understand that, like, like you said, Noah is going to have to deal with the fallout of his family losing his money. But that's not actually him dealing with it. I mean, it's him dealing with it, but it's not like, like, yeah, he's losing his trust fund. Boo-hoo. You know? like Yeah. He had a job in Hawaii. Yeah. He was fine. He knows how to have a job. This is not like when Dylan lost his money and went on a bender. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, it was the same thing with Brenda. I mean, Dylan has been the only one consistently given insanely deep storylines with a lot of tragedy and a lot of, like, emotional stuff to work through. But he's not on the show and hasn't been for a while now. So there has not been another pick up the slack for mm-hmm. in the male characters, it's pretty much always been Val, Kelly, Donna has gone through a drug addiction. Yeah, like we haven't really since Dylan, the only other or outside of Dylan, the only other recent thing has been David's money problems, but he got out of it. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it happens to like t- tertiary characters that are just going to go away, like right. Joe or Colin or something like that. Right. Those were so long ago, too. The fact that I have to go all the way back to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't think this is an incredibly strong start to season nine. I'm not really excited about it. Um, I looked on IMDb and saw that Sophie is going to be in like six episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah. She just sticks around. and That's crazy. That's not really what I'm looking forward to. So that's mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, well, do you have a quote of the week to kick off the new season? No pressure, but this is the you know, first episode of season nine. You know, honestly, like I'll reveal it because I actually think it was, it was, we, you, you basically said it, but it was something that like the three of us have been talking about for like the last two seasons, but it was at the very end when David is basically trying to bully Val into telling him her deep, dark secret. And she's like, when I'm honest with you, you get angry with me for being completely honest. And I'm like, oh, my God, thank you for saying the quiet part out loud. Like, we have literally been saying David overreacts and poorly reacts to everything Val says when she's vulnerable. And watch, like, next episode pick up right where this one left off and David's just yelling at her. Like, Mm -hmm. watch it happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I just – everyone gets mad at her when she's honest. Like, mm-hmm. I don't – I once again, I say I don't understand why Val is still here. She's been here for like three seasons at this point and, you know, you made it through college, you mm-hmm. graduated, 
you reunited with your mom. You were out here for another year, but like you haven't done anything. She doesn't yeah. have a job outside of the pee pad. Right. She doesn't have friends. Right. I don't right. know why she's here. If they're all just going to yell at her and now she's a murderer. Oh my God. Is this how they get rid of her? She goes to jail. <gasps> I don't know. I'm sorry. I just realized like I know Tiffany Thiessen doesn't stay on the show the whole time too. And I don't know how long murder trials take in 90210 world. We haven't seen one yet, but – Ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be like next episode. She'll be arrested for murder and then the trial will happen the next episode like because that's how the jury system works. Oh, oh my, my God. God. If that's the direction that they take this, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be loud. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be, but that just – started going through my head as we were talking oh my gosh we'll see. I mean truly like David's gonna yell at her and she's gonna get ostracized from the group for being a murderer and then they'll forgive her because she's also a victim and somehow it'll all just get written off because her mom's dating a cop or something mm -hmm. I don't know mm -hmm. whatever no I did I think basically every quote I wrote was Val this week because of course it is yeah same what about you Mary I'm trying to see if I even wrote any down um because I didn't write anything with actual quotes nope I think the only actual quote I wrote down was the list of uh, how to make <laughs> it in show business yes I just love it and I hope when they all find out she's a con artist Steve just has to be like, of course she's not a biology graduate student on scholarship. Why would that person be interested in me? Yep. Ugh. Okay. Um, Mary, did you have a moment of the week? Pretty much the very first second that Sophie was on screen because I was like, that's Ashley Marin. And... <laughs> I'm sure I gushed about her a lot when we did um, my birthday episode last year, but um, I love her. She's the best mom in the show. Like, she's not great, but I love her. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, just seeing her face, like, really brightened my day. And I was like, yay, that's great. This is a high point in not a great start to the season, right. as y'all have already said. So. And not, like, the best storyline. But she's there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm happy to see her. I don't really care what she does, honestly. Fair. Well, and we've proven that, like, the casting directors on this show know how to cast women for it. So yeah, true. I have true, faith true. that her being here will make Sophie a character that I at least value for her contributions. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. In – that case, what is next week's episode called? All right. So next week we have season nine, episode two, budget cuts, which is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, so this is definitely going to be a bunch of rich kids who have never had to fight for their own trying to tell Noah how to write a budget, right? That's what I'm like. That was my first thought. That and like it's kind of meta because there's 25 or 26 or 27 episodes a season instead of 32. So it's like <laughs> budget cuts. <laughs> Oh my god, what if budget cuts, yeah, they just jump like two months into the season and all of a sudden like Brandon and Kelly are fine, right. Noah has a job again, they're like, budget cuts. 
Yep. Sorry. We couldn't have like a fleshed out story this week. So everything's okay. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't worry about it. New writers. Move on. Okay. Well, we'll figure out what those budget cuts are next week. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram. You can also send us over emails if you have any thoughts on how last season ended and how this new season started at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community and give you all a better product. And if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I have to go be a bitch somewhere else, please. I got to go make a checklist for how to make it in show business. I got to go grab that purse I forgot at a wedding. Bye. Bye. See ya.